Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and Truth. The man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's the host of Stand Up for the Truth, Mike LeMay. Unashamed of the gospel and standing on the truth of God in the Bible. Good morning, Mike LeMay and Crash Todd Allen for David Fiorazzo. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up for the Truth. I think this is one of those you don't want to miss it shows, so we'll open in prayer and get to it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in a world that is growing more chaotic and more evil, that we have an anchor to our heart and our soul and our mind, your word. We know you are a God of truth. We know you are a God who cannot lie, and when you make a promise, that promise is eternal. You've made a promise to Israel. You've made a promise to us who've come to saving faith through the gospel. And we thank you for the promise of eternal life. Lord, as we live in this fallen world as your ambassadors, we have work to do. And Lord, may you strengthen us during these days of challenge and chaos to be faithful ambassadors of your word, faithful ambassadors of the gospel. Father, may we reach out into this fallen world and by your grace and truth, get people off this sinking ship and onto the dry land of the rock, your son, Jesus Christ, the only name by which a man might be forgiven of his sins and granted eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for that great gift, and may we be faithful ambassadors this day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I get to our guest, a reminder, our sixth annual Watchman Conference is scheduled for Friday evening, April 19th, and all day Saturday the 20th at the Word of the Barn Fellowship just north of Green Bay. Our registrations are really starting to come in, and seating is somewhat limited. So I would encourage, if you're interested in attending, uh, email me, Mike at q90fm.com, and we will get you registered. Elijah Abraham, Jay Siegert, and Dave Wager join us, and we're going to be looking at the growing apostasy that Jesus and Paul warned about in the final days, how we can effectively share the gospel in these times of political correctness and growing hatred of Christians, and discuss how close are we to government taking over churches and dictating what can or cannot be taught. So April 19th and 20th at the Word of the Barn Fellowship, uh, there's no cost, but you must register. Email me, Mike, at q90fm.com. Our topic today, ramping up to a one-world government. Our world is in the midst of a social and political upheaval that is threatening institutions and confusing a whole bunch of people. And many think this is a well-planned series of events to lead mankind to seek a savior who will bring peace and tranquility. Well, the Bible warns us of such a man and calls him Antichrist. Well, Gary Kaw of Hope for the World Ministries has been studying this and looking at the scriptures for more than 30 years, and he joins us this morning to talk about this rapid move towards globalism globalism, and how Christians can prepare for coming persecution. Gary, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Hey, Mike, and hi, Crash. It's good to talk to both of you today. Well, we appreciate you taking the time from your busy schedule, my friend. Hey, Gary, uh, the political and and civil rhetoric in our nation seems to have reached new lows these days. Uh, People no longer argue issues or engage in civil conversations and agreements uh, or disagreements. Instead, bang, you disagree with someone, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, whatever the radical left, uh, whatever term they find most useful. How does this chaos 
play into the hands of this coming one world government? Well, I, I think the the main goal of, of the leftist media, which represents about 80 to 90 percent of the media in, in the U.S., is um, uh, to grease the rails, so to speak, uh, so that we can more easily go into a global system of, of governance. Make no mistake, most of the people at these media outlets favor world government. They favor an empowered U.N. or a new institution, uh, a world government that some of them have convinced themselves will lead to world peace. Uh, others have um, more evil intentions with it. They have a, a spiritual motivation behind it. They, they literally hate Christians and conservative Jews and, um, and want to do away with them and override their wishes. And so anybody who opposes them, if they can take them out of the way by either discrediting them or keeping them tied up with, with lawsuits, or in the case of President Trump, uh, throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at them, uh, just to tie them up in knots, that's what they're going to do. Um, and if it just so happens that it all does lead to a major blow-up, a, a crisis, well, that would play into their hands as well, because usually during a crisis, uh, the, the globalist agenda, the socialist agenda moves forward uh, with more ease and, and more quickly. And so I think they feel their time has come. They think they have the numbers. Uh, they control, like I said, the biggest chunk of, of the media. And um, if, if they need to crash the system, if they can do so um, and then blame it on Trump, uh, that would be a bonus for them because then it would produce a, a huge backlash uh, in, in the direction of the left, uh, toward the left in the next election. So all of these things are, are laying the groundwork and, and we're getting close to a, a tipping point, as I wrote in my last article. I mean, it, it, it may be just weeks or months away, but we're, we're getting close, I think. The Democratic presidential candidates seem to be trying to see who can lean farthest towards socialism in their presentations and platforms. It looks like Americans will have a clear decision in 2020. Capitalism, or radical socialism. What do you think? Well, yes. When you look at the uh, the candidates, all, what, 12 or 13 of them now, and it could get up to 20. Um, of course, Joe Biden hasn't officially declared yet. Um, but I was just thinking, uh, preparing for the program, um, what would happen if the election were held today? And, and I think probably, and of course, this could change in a moment, as we know, uh, people say stupid things, things happen. But but right now, as of today, I think Biden would be the clear uh, front runner. Uh, he's a lifelong globalist and uh, an establishment insider. Uh, and then he would probably choose someone significantly younger to balance out the ticket if they are to have a chance of winning. And right now at the top of the list probably would be Kamala Harris, uh, Beto O'Rourke, who's gotten a lot of support behind the scenes from the uh, Obama people, uh, is right there as well. Uh, both of them would appeal to younger voters. And then also there's a dark horse uh, candidate, uh, Pete. Uh, his name has been pronounced so many different ways. Uh, but a gig, let's say. It's spelled B-U-T-T-I-G-I-E-G. He's the 38-year-old homosexual mayor of South Bend, Indiana. But he comes across very well, very well-spoken, and uh, he doesn't uh, sound in his interviews as radical as some of the others, but he's, he's young and uh, would bring in the younger generation. So I, I think if the election were held today, it'd probably be Biden with, with one of those three. Uh, but that's today. Who knows where we'll be six months down the road? And then, of course, there's the Bernie Sanders factor, 
Um, he also is, is running strong almost everywhere. He's got generally about a third of the vote. And so, um, but I think it, it would be a mistake for the Democrats to run Biden and Sanders on the same ticket just because of the, the age. I don't know if that would cut it. Uh, although stranger things have happened, we'll, we'll see. But all of these, all of these candidates are very far to the left in their views. And not, not just politically, but also from a moral standpoint. And that's something that almost isn't talked about anymore publicly in the secular media, whether it's in the conservative media, what's left of it, or the liberal media. It's just the, the, the basic morality uh, that we're dealing with today. Uh, Fox covers it some. You know, they, they've done a good job covering the recent, uh, t- uh, I don't even know what to call it, just a, a disaster, nationally speaking, with abortion that now you can kill a baby after it's been born, you know, and, and, and um, more and more states are lining up to pass the same law as just unthinkable. Um, but the, the left, they're pretty much all in favor of this. And so that's where we are now as a, as a nation where you've got a majority of people or close to majority that would be um, supportive of uh, abortion in all of its forms. Um, as well as the, the whole same-sex marriage agenda and all of that. Um, one little bright bit of news, I saw a survey, I think it was last week, that showed that something like two-thirds of Americans are opposed uh, to killing a baby after it's been born. But, you know, that's, that's, that's not saying much. It means that those same people are still in favor of abortion. So it's just, it's a terrible spot we're in as a nation. And and uh, I, I just have to wonder how much longer it will be before um, God allows things to play out as a form of his judgment on this nation. Indeed. Uh, you're listening to Stand Up for the Truth on Q90FM. Our guest, Gary Kaw of Hope for the World. Gary's been studying the coming one world government and religion for more than three decades. Gary, it speaks volumes when we refer to people like Joe Biden or this uh, openly homosexual marriage, uh, uh, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and we look at them as the more moderates in the Democratic Party. Uh, there seems to be, it seems to me, what the Democrats are going through right now is the antithesis of what Republicans went through with the Tea Party. The Tea Party came out and said, look, we need to return to our conservative roots. Uh, this new wing of the Democratic Party, led by Ocasio-Cortez and others, seem to be pushing the Democratic Party, I- I'm just going to say it, right into the lap of Marxism. Yeah, I- I'd say a good 40% of the Democratic Party is now far left. I mean, borderline communists, they might as well just come out and call them call themselves that because that's where they're lining up and and you wonder how many of these people really understand what they're trying to bring about in our country um, I think a lot of them are naive but we can't dismiss the evil side of, of things either there are a lot of them who are working toward this agenda they have a, a, a pretty strong understanding of where this might lead but they're dedicated to that agenda and they're hardcore Marxists and a lot of them are coming out of our major colleges and universities with that viewpoint. And if you analyze where uh, the professors are, right at 90% of them consistently vote Democrat. So that, that tells you something right there. And of that 90%, you know, a good half of them are coming from a, a strong socialist Marxist uh, worldview. And that's what happens when you throw out the Bible and, and uh, are dismissive of, of God as creator. Uh, the Bible warns us, you know, if people are going to 
uh, oppose God and, and or even deny his existence, they're going to fall for every lie out there. And that's how Satan enslaves people. And unfortunately, that's the path we're, uh, we're going down. But there, there is hope. Um, it, it's easier, in my opinion, to see right from wrong today the way it's playing out than ever before. It's also easier, in my opinion, to believe in the Bible. When you see the, the Bible prophecies being fulfilled and, and lining up for fulfillment the way they are, um, it, it should be easier for a person to believe in, in God and the authenticity of the Bible today than ever before. And and many people are now getting it. I mean, it's still a small minority, but people are, are gradually waking up. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, if people have totally rejected the Bible and won't even look at it, and as soon as you begin to quote it to them, they walk out of the room. There's not a whole lot you can do at that point. You know, Gary, it just strikes me when I look at all of these younger people who seem infatuated with the concept of socialism. First and foremost, they don't understand it's just a sugar-coated word for godless Marxism or godless communism. But I look at communism and how it's presented and Satan in the Garden of Eden, and I see this parallel. It promises that you can do whatever you want to do. You can serve your flesh with no consequences. And to me, that is so blatantly obvious that communism is really just a political system Satan is using, no different than Muslims and the worship of Allah is all about promoting a socialist or a, a, a government economic system. Well, you're right. And, and um, you know, even the founders of, of communism, when you read some of their quotes, some of them have been uh, there have been those who've made efforts to remove those quotes because it shows where they're really coming from. Uh, but Karl Marx, I remember in my research, I came across one of his statements where he said that his goal in life, he said, I wish to avenge myself against he who rules above. Um, in other words, even some of these people who come across as atheists, in deep down in their soul, they know there's a God and they're fighting against him and they're doing so knowingly. Not all of them. Some of them have dismissed the, the concept of God altogether. But it's interesting that Marx made, made a statement like that. What I'm telling you is that uh, communism, as, uh, as well as most forms of socialism, um, Marxism, all of that is rooted in the occult. It's, it's satanic at its base. It really is. Um, I've got to tell you a quick story. This is kind of go, going on a rabbit trail, but I spoke in Guatemala City at a, a Christian leadership conference involving pastors from about a dozen Central and, and South American countries. This was uh, not quite two years ago. And one of the people who was there, he, he just had a distinguished look. It, it seemed like he was someone important, a, a gentleman maybe in his mid-70s. And after I was done uh, sharing in one of the sessions, he came up to me through a, a translator and asked if he could meet with me um, for lunch because he had some things he wanted to share with me. Now, the other pastors there knew who this gentleman was. Otherwise, you know, what he was about to tell me, there'd be no way for me to, uh, you know, accept it uh, without knowing who he is. He, uh, but, but he was a legitimate uh, Christian from Venezuela. And years ago, he was the military commander who actually trained Hugo Chavez. Hmm. And, I mean, years ago, right? And he shared with me some things that were in incredible. And again, I wouldn't have believed this were not for the fact that other pastors there were able to verify that this guy really is who, who he says he is. He said that Hugo Chavez, who many people believed was an atheist, um, 
he had a skeleton, a human skeleton uh, that hung in his office, and he believed that he derived certain spiritual powers uh, through that skeleton, and he would take up the mantle of one of the ancient conquistadors of, of uh, South America. I can't remember. I think the name was Cortez or, or, or someone like that. And he believed that it would infuse him with, with strength and, and to empower him uh, to do what he was called upon to do. And the interesting thing is that Maduro now believes the same thing. It's been passed on to him. This same gentleman told me that Castro would regularly travel to Venezuela and that he and Chavez would bathe in blood together, believing that it would empower them. And I can't remember if he said human blood or animal blood. It could have been animal blood. But they literally bathed in blood. I mean, you can't write a script for this. This is so far out there, it's hard to believe. But this man was totally sincere in telling me this. And like I said, he was one of the previous military commanders in that country. I don't believe he'd, he'd lie about it. And I questioned him and, and, um, uh, in, in, in various ways, and, and I believe his, his story holds up. So all that to say. Here are socialist Marxists who the public believes are atheists, but they had a very strong spiritual component in their lives, and not the good kind. You know, they 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 were involved in the occult and 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 were very superstitious and, and believed in the spirit realm that w- they believed would empower them if they do certain things. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case people think this is just you know political systems at war with each other. No, it goes much deeper than that. There's always a spiritual fruit behind these major movements, and this one's no exception. Stand up for the truth. Our guest is Gary Kaw with Hope for the World. Gary, let's turn to the efforts to unite religions in our final days. Uh, Pope Francis has done several things lately that are raising concerns, meeting with Muslim leaders, and allowing communist Chinese officials a say on who the Catholic Church appoints as bishops. Yeah, he, he's been quite a busy man the last few weeks. Um, uh, in preparing for this morning's program, I pulled together just a few of the things he's, he's done. Uh, and so I'll start in early February. Uh, he met, he traveled to Abu Dhabi uh, in the United Arab Emirates, uh, which, by the way, was the first time a pope has visited the Arabian Peninsula. And there he met with Sheikh Ahmed Al-Taib, who happens to be the leader of the Sunni branch of Islam. And he's also the head of Egypt's Al-Azhar University, uh, the world's most authoritative institution on Islamic law. Now, even though El-Tayyib is touted as a moderate by many in the, in the Western media, uh, he unapologetically in the past has taught that Muslims who leave Islam for other religions or no religion at all are guilty of apostasy and should be killed. Um, he's, he's uh, you know, a, a radical uh, Muslim, and yet the Pope met with him, and together they signed a joint declaration titled On Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together. And one of the statements uh, coming from this document is the pluralism and the diversity of religions, color, sex, race, and language are willed by God in his wisdom through which he created human beings. 
So the pluralism and diversity of religions, in other words, there's really no right religion. It's, it's, it's great that there's so much diversity and different beliefs among all the world's religions. It's this idea that all religions are pathways to God, and the Pope has taken up the mantle for this. Um, he would believe that all religions have merit, but especially Islam. And, um, and then, are you, are you still with me? Still with you, brother. Okay, okay the, the next thing, uh, on the same trip, the Pope traveled uh, to meet with Crown Prince Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayyan, and uh, he, uh, the Sheikh tweeted out, We discussed enhanced cooperation, consolidating dialogue, tolerance, human coexistence, and important initiatives to achieve peace, stability, and development for peoples and societies. And then a few days later, Pope Francis delivered a video address to the World Government Summit in Dubai. Now, this is stuff I was warning about years ago, and nobody wanted to believe it. So here you had this pope in a video address to the World Government Summit in Dubai, stressing the need to, quote, grow together alongside one another, willing to take on everyone's problems in the global village. Um, you know, it sounds a lot like Hillary Clinton there. Mm. Um, he has been in favor of world government and using the environmental uh, bandwagon uh, agenda to help achieve world government right from the beginning. Uh, he is the globalist's pope. He's the one they've been waiting for to come in and to help take mankind the next step in, into a global system of government. And that's why he has been pushing, uh, why the globalists have been pushing so strongly at this point in time to bring it about, because they have their man in the Vatican. And you say, okay, why is it so important that they have their man in the Vatican? Well, of course, you have over a billion Catholics in the world. And fortunately, there are some conservative Catholics that aren't going to follow the, the Pope. But still, it's very important that the globalist agenda has the endorsement of the Pope if they are to have any chance of bringing about a global system of government. And they now have that with this Pope. And so they really would like to make things happen in the next few years uh, before he gets too old and, 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 and moves on. And so that's why I believe we're w witnessing literally the final push to make all of this happen. And if the powers that be need to precipitate a major crisis to try to speed things along, I think they will do everything they can uh, to accomplish that. And the only thing standing in the way would be the Lord himself. If he allows this to happen, it would unfold very quickly. So far it hasn't, but we keep inching closer and closer. We do. Uh, just one final thing I wanted to mention regarding the Pope. Uh, on March 9th, more recently, he met with uh, President Russell Nelson, the head of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. And they had a very favorable meeting between themselves. And so... All the world's religions, all the large um, false religions, cults, whatever you want to call it, the Pope is lining them all up, uh, bring them all together uh, to try to push this agenda through. And on the environmental front, um, I have some uh, information on that as well that he's been pushing recently. Well, Gary, uh, just Gary go ahead. Uh, yeah, I am up against a break. Let's cover that when we come back. But okay. I do want to, as we go to break, I want to quote out of the Roman Catholic Catechism regarding Muslims. And here's what it says, paragraph 841. The church's relationship with the Muslims, quote, 
The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator, in the first place amongst whom are the Muslims. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge, on the last day. There it is in their own words. More with Gary Kaw when we come back. You're hearing Stand Up For The Truth. Got a comment or question? Text the keyword Speak Up to 90100. That's Speak Up to 90100. Stand Up For The Truth. We'll be back. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Our guest this morning, Gary Kaw of Hope for the World. He studied globalism, the coming one world government and religion for well in excess of 30 years. Gary, let's stay on this topic, <coughs> excuse me, of the Pope. And you were going to talk about uh, how he's really using environmental issues to try to bring the world together also. Yes, uh, right. On March 8th, uh, the Pope met... Uh, at the Vatican with uh, a good number of participants regarding uh, the whole sustainable uh, development agenda. Uh, of course, he's been behind the environmental agenda, uh, openly pushing Agenda 2030 and so forth. But just less than two weeks ago, um, uh, he uh, uh, led this conference. It's called Religions and the Sustainable Development Goals, colon, Listening to the Cry of the Earth and of the Poor. And um, the Pope said, regarding the 2030 Agenda and the Sustainable Development Goals, he said, quote, they were a great step forward for global dialogue, marking a vitally new and universal solidarity. Uh, And then he also went on to say that those of us who are religious need to open up the treasures of our best traditions in order to engage in a true and respectful dialogue on how to build the future of our planet. Uh, he went on, he said, in a strongly secular, secularized world, uh, such peoples remind us all of the sacredness of our earth. Their voice and their concerns should be at the center of the implementation of the 2030 agenda and at the heart of the search for new paths for a sustainable future. And he's talking here about... Um, uh, the native peoples uh, around the world. And he uh, made those statements leading up to a mention of the fact that he would be speaking at the Synod for Pan-Amazon region at the end of October this year. Uh, that's going to be a huge environmental uh, shindig uh, uh, in, uh, in Brazil. I think he's also going to be visiting some other countries at that time. Again, the environment is front and center in all of this. Uh, one last quote. Um, he, uh, th- he used this to conclude his address and, and, and was quoting his encyclical. Um, he says, three and a half years since the adoption of the Sustainable Development Goals, we must be even more acutely aware of the importance of accelerating and adopting our actions and responding adequately to both the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor. Um, so again, he's, he's the, the people's pope, so to speak. Uh, when it comes to the, the socialists, the leftists who are using the environmental agenda to move us in the direction of world government. He's completely on board. And so look for some pretty big things to happen between now and the end of the year and then especially into the next year because uh, the globalists are really going to be pushing this, trying to make it happen over the next two or three years. I, of course, hope they don't, uh, but we'll see what happens. Can you touch on uh, the Pope allowing uh, communist Chinese officials uh, to uh, to um, appoint bishops for the Catholic Church? 
Well, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, he's he's trying to make political inroads with all the countries so that he has uh, uh, some influence and some sway with them. And um, and if you don't really uh, stand for the true gospel of, of Christ and you've uh, blended in with all kinds of other religious beliefs from other religions, uh, then why not add, uh, you know, uh, an alliance with uh, the communist government, so to speak, of China uh, into that realm, uh, especially since the main people that the Chinese government is cracking down on are evangelical Christians who have been a thorn in the side to the Pope. So in a way, they, they share a common enemy there. And so, you know, it, it, all, it all adds up. It makes sense that he would do what he did. You know, Gary, it's not just the Catholic Church. Uh, it's also many Protestant churches. Uh, the National Association of Evangelicals is all on board on this. So uh, we would be remiss if we just picked on the Catholic Church here a little bit, because in Protestant and and in evangelical denominations, we see this same march towards globalism, do we not? Absolutely. In fact, a, a, as a, a Protestant, I spend most of my time hitting on that. Um, and I'm telling you that, you know, the, you look at the World Council of Churches and some of the stuff that, uh, you know, various figures who belong to that organization have been coming out with, uh, it, it's just preposterous. Um, it, I remember years ago, and I, I may have shared this before on your program, uh, if I have, forgive me, but um, I met a, a former 33rd degree Mason down in Florida who uh, gave his life to the Lord and ended up becoming a, a uh, minister, uh, pastor over the last couple of decades of his life. And I met him a couple of years before he died. And he told me that the World Council of Churches at that time, when he w- had been in it uh, a couple of decades earlier, uh, was strongly, strongly influenced by Freemasonry. And he said, in fact, in Masonic circles, we just viewed it as kind of a branch organization, a further extension of us. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, I've written extensively on, on Freemasonry and have two chapters on it in my book, in Route to Global Occupation, where I quote right out of their books. And they push a very interfaith, umbrella type of uh, religious system. And um, it's all about unifying the religions of the world. They've been working on this for hundreds of years, actually. And so they're very pleased with the direction that the world is going in right now to actually see some of these uh, things coming together. And so it would make sense that the World Council of Churches would be pushing all of this. And who are your member denominations of the World Council of Churches? Well, you've got your Presbyterian Church, your Episcopal Church, uh, United Methodist Church, um, uh, some of the Lutheran churches. Basically, your mainline American churches now are completely on board, except for a few pastors in those denominations that have been holding out who want to get back to the Bible. uh, God bless them. You know, they've been strong. They've been trying to hold on, even though you know, a vast majority of, of the folks in their church groups are going the other way. Uh, but a, except for a few of the smaller evangelical church groups, uh, pretty much all the others are on board now. And it's the same way with, with Israel and opposing Israel. Uh, you, you've got more and more church groups pushing replacement theology. And in that view, um, Israel has no place. Um, so they're, they're taking on more and more of an anti, anti-Semitic worldview as well. So there are a lot of ramifications to these beliefs is what I'm saying. And um, again, like you said, yeah, we, we shouldn't just uh, hit on the Pope and, and, and Catholicism because this has reached 
far into the heart of, of Protestantism. In fact, we shouldn't even call it Protestants anymore because they're not protesting what they once did. Uh, they're, they're basically all in bed together pushing this global agenda, unfortunately. Our guest is Gary Call with Hope for the World here on Stand Up for the Truth. Uh, Gary, the allegations of corruption against Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu right before the election has cast several doubts on his re-election efforts. What is at stake if he loses the re-election bid? Well, I, I wrote in our last article, the United States and Israel, a pivotal, a pivotal time, which, by the way, people can read that uh, at our website, GaryCod.org. Uh, if you go to our homepage on the right, uh, you can click on uh, some of my uh, recent articles, and, and that's the most recent one. I, I hit on that very thing, pointing out uh, the, 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 the similarities uh, between what's going on in this country and in Israel. You have the globalists in Israel who want Netanyahu out because he's a strong nationalist. And they want to push the international agenda and come into line with the demands of the United Nations, which, of course, has been extremely anti-Israel to the point where of 27 resolutions of condemnation that they passed last year, 21 of them were against Israel. 21 out of 27. Uh, There wasn't one against Hamas or China. Uh, so that's where the UN's coming from, and you've got people in Israel who want to come into line with the UN and, and globalism uh, in general. And of course, you have the same thing happening in this country. And so, if if Satan, let's spiritualize this, if Satan can remove the current nationalist leaders from the United States and from Israel, then he's got a straight run into global government, because Israel and the United States have been the most fiercely independent uh, countries not wanting to go into a world government for various reasons uh, of any countries in the world. And so if they can deal the United States and Israel a type of fatal blow by removing the, the leadership that's been standing in the way, it makes their jobs a whole lot easier. And so they're pulling out all the stops and they're basically trying to do to Bibi Netanyahu what the media over here is doing to Donald Trump. And neither of these men are perfect. Um, but you know what? When you investigate everything they've done, as someone recently said, going all the way back to kindergarten or preschool, I mean, that, that's, that's where we're at now. They're digging up anything they can, anywhere, any, any slip of the tongue they've had, anything they've done. And it's really not about whether they're good or bad people. It's about whether or not these men are standing in their way and they are perceived as standing in the way of the new world order and therefore they need to be dealt with and removed and so this is happening now in israel however having said that i don't want to count netanyahu out he's, he's a, a very smart man he has a lot of people praying for him and right now he's about three or four votes short in the knesset um and the knesset which is israel's parliament basically is is governed uh, through seven or eight different parties that all uh, have a particular amount of, of sway in things. And whoever can build a majority coalition of those parties is able to uh, rule Israel. And right now, a couple of the parties are looking at jumping ship, and, and Netanyahu is trying to keep them aboard and, and is working around the clock to establish some type of an alliance that would keep him in a majority-type government so he can stay in power. But it's very difficult to do when he's got so much of the media against him and some very heavyweights politically uh, trying to take him out. 
You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth Radio on Q90FM, our guest, Gary Kopp. When we come back, now that ISIS has been defeated in Syria... Stand Up For The Truth will continue in a moment. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Our final segment with Gary Kaw of Hope For The World. Gary, now that ISIS has, for the most part, been dismantled in Syria... Uh, all of a sudden we see Syria threatening Israel, saying if you don't withdraw from the Golan Heights, we're going to attack. And, of course, the media doesn't cover this, but thousands of rockets once again being launched into Israel from Palestinian territories. Well, you're right. Um, you know, Hamas has been doing their thing from, from Gaza, and Iranian-backed uh, Syrian troops are uh, shooting over into Israel and the Golan. Um, southern Lebanon is full of it. I mean, uh, you've got a, an elaborate tunnel system uh, stashed with with weapons uh, ready to launch at Israel. And I'm told five to 10 times more rockets and missiles than they've ever had prepared before. So if there's an attack on Israel, I, I, I seriously doubt that their Iron Dome system would be able to take everything out. I mean, there would be major loss of life in Israel the next time around. And uh, this is really playing on these, the Israeli people uh, on their minds. They, they really want peace because, um, you know, they're tired of the constant threat of, of war. But having said that, uh, back to Syria, you look at uh, who is propping Syria up. Uh, they're getting most of their weaponry from Iran. Uh, they also have Russian advisors in there, uh, some of them helping to run their uh, naval base uh, on the Mediterranean. And so with, with uh, ISIS more or less out of the picture, at least for now, uh, they're going to be able to shore up and, and regroup and, and um, uh, possibly try to unite at least part of the Arab world against Israel. Israel has to be prepared uh, at all times. And there's a possibility, too, that uh, because Iran is making progress on their nuclear program and they've gotten smart about it, They've got their main facilities hundreds of feet underground now where bombs generally can't effectively reach them. And so they're much closer, I believe, to achieving a nuclear weapon than most people would realize. And something that uh, uh, Bibi Netanyahu has tried to stay on top of is that very development. And if, if Israel, under his leadership, feels that Iran is right at the brink of having a nuclear weapon, they can't take that risk of, of it being launched against Israel. So then you can see a preemptive strike, uh, whether it comes directly at Iran or whether it comes at Syria, which is more or less a proxy uh, for Iran, you know, would remain to be seen. But things are very tense over there. And when I was over there in November uh, at the final uh, dinner we had uh, on the last day, uh, a very prominent uh, Christian in Israel uh, who has friends high up in the IDF and also knows many of the political leaders on a first-name basis over there, he told us, he said he feels that within the next 12 months or so, there will be major changes, militarily speaking, in, in affecting Israel. And uh, he felt that, that war uh, was more or less imminent. It, it's just a matter of time. And so that statement coming from him, that was made this last November, uh, and a very level-headed, credible individual. So I, I do think uh, things are going to heat up in, in, in the Middle East in the months ahead. Gary Kaw is the guest on Stand Up For The Truth from Hope For The World. Gary, some evangelicals have voiced concerns about President Trump's Middle East plan, a peace plan, as information is leaking out. The president has announced that he believes Palestinian leaders will really like what he proposes. 
Well, he, he needs to remember one thing. Uh, if he's negotiating with Palestinian leaders, uh, he's negotiating with terrorists. And you can't take them at their word. What they really want is more land uh, from which they can launch an assault against Israel. I hope President Trump knows that and understands that. Um, maybe he doesn't, but we need to pray for him as well as Vice President Pence and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, both of whom have the, the president's ear and both of whom uh, I believe are Christians. Um, because if you look at history, and, and we need to remind ourselves of this, God judges nations in, in part by how they treat the Jewish people and Israel. Both the Old and New Testament uh, are replete with examples of what happens to empires and, 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 and nations uh, that persecute God's people or divide their land. And um, if, if we are involved as a country in, in making that happen, and thereby setting the stage also for uh, the Antichrist, uh, I believe we're in danger of, of being judged by God. Um, I think that what, what Trump probably is thinking, although I, I can't read his mind, but he may be thinking no matter what he proposes, ultimately, uh, the Palestinians are going to reject it because their goal, as we all know, is to push Israel into the sea. They want to get rid of every last Jew in, in Israel, and they've voiced that repeatedly as recently as a couple of months ago. And so I, I think deep down inside, Trump figures probably it's not going to go anywhere. And if it does, I don't think he uh, he's willing to give away the bank, especially being close to Benjamin Netanyahu. However, if Netanyahu is voted out on April 9th, and you've got a bunch of globalists in power in Israel, and they egg Trump on and say, hey, you can be a hero. You can uh, uh, sign uh, a Mideast peace treaty. We're willing to give up this land here and this land there. And then uh, Trump goes for it thinking that he can actually establish world peace. Uh, then he will have made a huge and, and possibly fatal mistake uh, as far as the United States and Israel goes. And so, again, this is something we all need to be in prayer about. I'm very concerned about it personally. Uh, as you both know, uh, in large part, I've been a Trump supporter since he's come into office because he's made good on his, his promises and he has stood in the way of the new world order. Uh, but I'm also being very cautious in, in, um, uh, about any projections uh, regarding his, his Mideast peace plan because I don't know what's in it. And uh, I may be totally against it. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Indeed. Uh, Gary, we've got about 10 minutes left. I want to spend some time talking about coming persecution to America. Uh, in my most recent book, American Christianity, Slide into Apostasy, What We Must Do Before It's Too Late, I lay out what I believe is the five-step process to the persecution of Christians in America. First three steps have been completely accomplished. Step four is to badger and intimidate Christians into silence in the public square. We are seeing that happen every day. We are seeing churches not standing up uh, with the message of the gospel, maybe sanding down the edges a little bit. How close might we be to what we see in communist China, where you have a state-sponsored, quote-unquote, Christianity that actually bends a knee to Caesar instead of God? Well, I'll begin by saying that, that Christians and conservative Jews need to be ready for the hardship uh, and, and likely persecution uh, that is going to result from the coming lawlessness. Um, clearly, we're headed towards some type of crisis in, the, in this country. You've got the, the Democrats going further and further left. Uh, on the Republican side of things, you have an, an increasing number of people who are waking up. 
uh, and who want to uh, keep our freedoms and, and our constitutional republic in place. And, and so things are, are coming to a head. And if we lose the battle, there will be persecution. Uh, I think the handwriting is clearly on the wall now. The things that were behind the scenes before Trump have all now come out into the open because the left can't help themselves. They hate Trump so bad that you know they've voiced what they really think. We now know what's what we're what we're dealing with. It's out in the open, and so we have to prepare our hearts and minds. and And this would be a good time to emphasize the fact that truly there is no hope for this country apart from Jesus Christ. There isn't any. Um, I know a lot of conservatives out there who, you know, they'll fight to defend our constitutional republic, but but yet their hearts are far from the Lord. They don't really want to submit to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as their personal savior. And so from God's perspective, how does he view our country? Does he view it simply as liberals versus conservatives? Or does he look at uh, who is actually bending the knee to him? and repenting of their sin and turning to him and crying out saying, Lord, you are the only answer, please intervene. And, you know, if, if we're just looking, uh, toward conservatism to save us, um, I would say majority of the conservatives I know there, you know, there are some common sense, uh, people who, who don't want to go into socialist system. But like I said, most of them, their hearts are far away from the Lord. And so it needs to begin in the church and among conservatives in this in this country, they are the ones that need to embrace Christ uh, and and not be pushovers and not be afraid of the consequences of them taking a strong stand. And they need to live for Christ in their everyday lives. We need to be attractive to the world. We need to, if from the standpoint of, we need to practice what we preach. And then if people want to tar and feather us for being true to our word, you know, let it happen. Um, but we. We can't preach one thing and, and, and do another. So this is a time for Christians to really practice what they preach. And I believe if we do that, we'll bring a, a significant percentage of people along with us who will accept Christ as their Savior, especially as more and more of this evil comes out into the open and people have to choose sides and they're, they're going to have clear choices. You either go the, the way of the Bible or you go the way of anti-Christian sentiments and follow the, the left-wing socialists. And we see... Uh, what they're all about. So if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't believed in him as your personal savior, that he is the only one who can secure your eternity, which is the most important thing of all, you need to do so now. Uh, because if, if you don't, uh, time is running out. And in the days ahead, uh, I believe our freedoms are very close uh, to being taken from us if we don't wake up. I was thinking as you were talking, Gary, uh, of Elijah Abraham, who joins us in the studio on Friday, and uh, he shared a video of um, uh, a heavily Muslim-populated area in Africa where the pastor was preparing to baptize new Christians. And before he baptized them, he asked them a question, are you prepared to give your life to Jesus Christ if it is demanded of you? And if they said no, he wouldn't baptize them. And I think as we approach people these days with the gospel, I think we have to be intellectually honest with them that it looks like in the short term you're going to be on the losing team because you're going to be hated, reviled, and persecuted for the name of the Lord. So uh, no more of this mushy Christianity of, of invite Jesus into your heart and he's going to make you wealthy. It's time we be very clear to people about the eternal stakes and what that looks like. 
I, I completely agree with you. We have to be prepared to, to put our lives on the line for the Lord. And, you know, early on in church history, uh, that was commonplace. Many people uh, paid for their faith with their lives, uh, but yet they were joyful all the way to the end. But it all, almost makes it more difficult having prospered materially the way we have in this country, because materially uh, we have so much to lose, and 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 people know that, and and they're very comfortable where they're at, and they don't want to lose that. And so the thought of, of putting their lives on the line for Christ and possibly losing everything they have and maybe even their lives, um, it's it's really hard for most Christians to to face up to that. Uh, but w- but we need to, and we need to prepare our family members for that as well, because that time may be coming. I hope it, it, it doesn't. Uh, you know, I, I hope for the best. It'd be wonderful if we had another 10 or 20 years and can see our grandkids grow up. But we need to be prepared for that possibility, because it does appear more and more like it's just around the corner. And we also need to remind ourselves of how long eternity is. And, you know, God balances the scales in eternity. He more than adequately rewards us for anything we suffered in this world. We're just here for a very short period of time. We're like a, a mist that's here today and gone tomorrow, and we need to keep that in perspective. Eternity is a long time, and God will reward us. Indeed, and and I guess the silver lining I see in all this is that people are going to have to make a choice. Do we commit our lives to Jesus Christ, understanding the short-term pain that might be involved? Uh, there's, you're going to see a willowing away, I think, in, in a, a, a specific line of demarcation between true disciples of Jesus Christ and those people that are playing church. So out of all of this, we must remember Romans 8.28, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love them. Uh, Gary, how can people connect with you? How can they uh, subscribe to your newsletter? Uh, well, they can go to our website, uh, which is GaryCaw.org, and my name is spelled G-A-R-Y-K-A-H, GaryCaw.org, and you can read our articles there uh, and um, also uh, get my books and, and some DVDs, and uh, hopefully uh, also subscribe to our research news journal, which is usually 16 to 20 pages in, in length, and it documents a lot of these things, keeps people up to date. And we call ourselves hope for the world because we believe that ultimately that's that's what we're trumpeting, the message of hope in, a, in an increasingly dark world. So we hope you'll get the uh, publication, pass it around to friends, and, uh, and help us lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Gary, we appreciate your ministry and your family. How is it that uh, we as a ministry and our listeners, how can we pray for you and your, your ministry and family? Well, uh, thanks for asking, and I wouldn't share this unless you, you had asked, but we are, right now we're dealing a little bit with, with being overwhelmed. Um, I've got over 8,000 unanswered emails right now, mm. <laughs> and um, it, it's just, you know, you wake up in the morning and there's just way too much to do. I have to pray every day, Lord, just show me what to do, where you want me to put my focus. Uh, pray for our health and that the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, would guide us and direct us to do exactly what he would have us do each day and, uh, and just not to get overwhelmed by, by the workload. Gary, you got it. And uh, all of us, let's remember to hold up Gary and Audrey and their family and their prayers. And uh, Gary, uh, may the Lord bring you rest and peace and focus uh, during this very challenging time, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless both of you, John. Gary Kaw, Hope for the World. Again, I I subscribe to Gary's newsletter. I find it to be a tremendous source of, uh, of information. And Crash, what I love the most about Gary is it would be so easy to look at everything going on in the world 
and become hopeless and get dragged down into the sewer. But Gary always brings it home to the gospel because the only thing that lasts for eternity are the souls of men. And they will spend either their souls will be with God in heaven forever or in hell forever. That's really the issue. And that's it's that's always the blessing. Uh, if if I, I hate to think that somebody tuned out early because they're thinking this is just negative. I don't want to hear it. There is hope. Always. And, and there's always hope. And Indeed. God bless him for that. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show and tell you about our guest tomorrow. Have a question for Mike? Email him anytime at comments at standupforthetruth.com. We'll wrap up Stand Up For The Truth in a moment. We're getting ready to wrap up today's show. Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at standupforthetruth.com slash donate. Now, here's Mike LeMay. Well, join us tomorrow for a little peek behind the curtain. Our guest is Patrick Wood of Technocracy News, and we're going to look at who the real power dealers are behind things like this Green New Deal of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's really behind this idea that our nation and the world should provide everyone a basic annual income. Can that work? Will it work? Will it become part of who we are? So we're going to kind of take a look behind the scenes a little bit, beyond the headlines, and look who's really propping up these socialist, Marxist, globalist ideas. Also an interesting uh, uh, story I want to cover with Patrick tomorrow. Um, There's a possibility out there that in the next 12 months, every automobile manufactured in the world will have surveillance technology built into it to track everywhere you go, everywhere you do. What could possibly be behind that? So Patrick Wood of Technocracy News joins us tomorrow. A reminder again of our Watchman Conference, April 19th and 20th, uh, no cost, but you must register. Please email Mike at Q90FM.com. We'll get you registered, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you. It's going to be a great conference as Elijah Abraham, Jay Siegert, and Dave Wager lead us in the study of God's Word and how we as Christians prepare our hearts and minds for the great deception that Satan and this world are trying to pull over our eyes. For Crash Connell, Mike LeMay standing up for the truth. Thank you so much for joining us. Please remember in the midst of this chaos, this can be depressing at times, but stay focused on eternity. Will you spend eternity with God in heaven or abandoned from him in hell for eternity? That's all that really matters. Be bold, strong, and unashamed of the gospel because the Lord your God is always with you. do, what could possibly be behind that? So Patrick Wood of Technocracy News joins us tomorrow. A reminder again of our Watchman Conference, April 19th and 20th, uh, no cost, but you must register. Please email Mike at Q90FM.com. We'll get you registered, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you. It's going to be a great conference as Elijah Abraham, Jay Siegert, and Dave Wager lead us in the study of God's Word and how we as Christians prepare our hearts and minds for the great deception that Satan and this world are trying to pull over our eyes. For Crash Connell, Mike LeMay standing up for the truth. Thank you so much for joining us. Please remember in the midst of this chaos, this can be depressing at times, but stay focused on eternity. Will you spend eternity with God in heaven or abandoned from him in hell for eternity? That's all that really matters. Be bold, strong, and unashamed of the gospel because the Lord your God is always with you.